So in the scriptures that we read this morning, uh, we read from a passage which is very much at the start of Jesus's ministry. Jesus had just returned from being tempted by the devil in the desert, and the preceding verses uh, tell us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he returns to Galilee. And so this marks the beginning of his Galilean ministry. He begins to teach in their synagogues, and he developed a bit of a reputation. He was praised by everyone. He decides to return to Nazareth, uh, which of course we know is where he was brought up. And as was the custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Uh, Of course, we know the synagogues, they were the center of Jewish worship. And uh, Jesus had been going there for years. Children from the age of five were admitted into synagogues, and from the age of 13, it was the part of a legal life of a Jew. And a brief reading, uh, very much like what happens within our churches, is given by one of the prophets, uh, or maybe a visiting rabbi at that time. And so he was invited within his home synagogue to stand up and read this passage. Now, of course, we know that he was Mary and Joseph's son, and he was known within that context for being so. And so the next slide, uh, it shows him standing up in the synagogue and opening this beautiful scroll. And he finds the part of scripture from the, uh, the Old Testament from Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 is one of the most well-known passages in the Gospels. It's where Jesus reads, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. But what's interesting about this passage is that Isaiah wrote this about 700 years before Jesus stands up in the synagogue to read. And Israel had been taken captive at that time by the Babylonians. And so for those of us who know a little bit about our Jewish history and some of the Old Testament, uh, the prophets were continually calling the children of Israel uh, back to God, but they kept turning away from God, and eventually they ended up being taken captive, almost as a judgment for their disobedience. But it's within this context that Isaiah prophesies and prophesies about this coming Messiah that will bring freedom to the captives and bring liberation to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. So you can imagine what a message of hope that prophecy would be in a context of slavery. Now, we know that within the Gospels, um, preaching the good news, it's about bringing God's message of salvation with authority and power. And Jesus says, that he's come to bring good news to those who are poor. And of course, within the Luke's gospel, uh, the poor are frequently mentioned. Uh, they're often talked about, blessed are the poor in spirit. And of course, that's a, a spiritual poverty or a humbleness, a humility before God, knowing that we need God's help and grace. But there's also this sense of Jesus also being called to the most poor within the community and also to those who are marginalized within that context. Now, the next slide, uh, it shows the church plant, um, which was started about 10 years ago, and it's pretty much a stone's throw uh, from here, Clarence Road, and uh, we opened up it uh, for 
people to come to, like a community cafe. And during the time, during the week, we would serve tea and toast, and people would come, and we would also offer pastoral care, as well as offering a church service. And the majority of people who came were homeless or vulnerably housed. And it was really through getting to know some of the homeless that were here in South End that we began to hear stories of exploitation. And Harry's story is one which is very similar to the stories that we heard uh, within uh, 57 West. So Harry's mother died when he was 57, and he found it hard to cope with responsibilities on his own. After an emotional and mental breakdown, he became homeless. At this vulnerable time, while he was queuing for a bed at a night shelter, two men approached him with an offer of work, accommodation, food, and alcohol. He was made to share a damp caravan with three other men and put to hard physical work six days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. He was working on groundwork and landscaping projects. When he complained that he never received his pay, his traffickers beat him and forced him to sleep outside. Harry was too frightened to escape, knowing that his traffickers had a large extended family. Harry eventually managed to get away from them while working on a driveway, and he went to the police for help. They directed him to a Salvation Army homeless unit where he was identified as a potential victim of modern slavery and human trafficking. And it was there that Harry was able to receive support and care. So Harry's story echoes some of the stories of those that we met at 57 West. And the more that we began to hear those stories and also um, go to workshops and just develop our understanding a little bit more about modern slavery, uh, we realized that actually some of these individuals, they weren't isolated cases, but they were uh, quite exploitation among the rough sleeping community was quite prevalent. I was really shocked to discover the extent of modern slavery within the UK. And the next slide gives us some statistics. Uh, in 2021, there was 12,727 people identified as potential victims of modern slavery in the UK. So those are the ones who have been found uh, it's estimated that there are 136 victims of modern slavery in the UK. So those are the ones who are hidden. So you've got some who are found, which is great, but then there's thousands which are estimated to also be hidden uh, within our communities. And if we think statistically, within the city of South End, roughly 185,000 people, there would be around 375 people that we would estimate are being exploited at this moment uh, within our own community. In terms of who is being exploited, uh, out of those 12,000 people identified, UK nationals make up the vast majority. So it's vulnerable people like some of the homeless community or people with mental health challenges, or perhaps people who've been in foster care or don't have the familial protection that is often around us. Um, they're targeted because of vulnerabilities um, to be exploited. Uh, of course, other nationalities also make up 
those figures as well, with over 100 different nationalities of individuals who were found among those 12,000 people. So what is modern slavery if we define it? Uh, of course, we know about historic slavery. Um, modern slavery is when a person holds another person in slavery or servitude, making them perform forced or compulsory labor. And human trafficking is kind of underneath. If you think of modern slavery as an umbrella, human trafficking is when a person arranges or facilitates the travel of another person with that person uh, being exploited. So of course that could be from somewhere overseas, it could be from Albania or Vietnam to the UK, uh, but equally it could be from London to South End, but it could also be across one street of South End to another street in South End. Uh, so it's about the transportation no matter how far um, they are moved for the purpose of exploitation. So in terms of different forms of modern slavery, the next slide uh, highlights that forced criminality is the most common form within the UK. And this is largely due to county lines, so some of us might be familiar with that, where children are recruited to transport drugs, um, and they're effectively recruited by gangs, uh, they're groomed, and they're exploited through for being forced to commit criminal acts. Uh, and of course, in South End, um, this is an issue. You know, our proximity to London um, and just the demand for drugs within our area. Um, Essex Police, um, they identified 375 potential victims in 21, and South End, um, they identified 35 potential victims, and more than half of those related to county lines and forced criminality. Uh, the next slide um, also highlights the issue of forced labor, and Harry's story gives an example uh, of that. And forced labor, that could include um, legal businesses like car washes, or nail bars, or beauty salons, um, but then it could also involve tarmacking or paving driveways. Uh, also, the care sector has also been identified as a, an area of concern. Here in South End, um, we've also got the cockle picking and shellfish picking, um, and so the police have joint operations with other charities relating to potentially identifying uh, victims. Uh, another form of modern slavery relates to sexual exploitation, and uh, I was doing a workshop with another church um, just down the road in Westcliff, and uh, one of the uh, retired gentlemen from the church, he phoned me afterwards, and he said that he had been, um, he lives on a nice street, and he'd seen a couple of women taken into a house uh, by a couple of men, and he said it just doesn't feel right, there's people frequenting the house. And so he phoned the police, and they came and investigated, and it was being used as a pop-up brothel. Um, so that would be a brothel that moves location um, to detect, it, it minimizes the detection of it by the police. So those women were safeguarded. But that was a nice street within our community, uh, within this area. Uh, another form of modern slavery is also relating to domestic servitude. And this is where individuals work in people's homes, they cook, they clean, they might look after the children, but sometimes their movements are restricted, um, sometimes they're not paid, uh, a church who I work with down in Shoebury, 
they had an individual who was being dropped off at the church uh, just after the service started and then picked up an hour later before the service finished. It minimized her interaction with people. Um, but it turned out just through brief conversations that the minister had with this individual um, that she had been brought over from India, her, her country of origin, and she was being forced to work for very, very long hours. And her movements were restricted. She was only allowed out of the, the house to go to church. And that was if she worked exceptionally hard that week. Um, so even within our own faith communities, we've got individuals who potentially need help uh, and that we can play a role in identification with as well. And it does raise questions relating to, you know, how can we as Christians, how can we as churches respond to this? And the next slide, um, it kind of gives a, an opportunity for if we identify something or something doesn't quite feel right, there's a modern slavery helpline. So it's a 24 hour seven helpline and you can phone up anonymously. There's also a website that you can fill out details on or if you've just got a concern and you don't quite know if it's okay or not, then we're encouraging people to phone that helpline uh, because potentially Harry could be found more quickly uh, potentially this lady in the church could be helped sooner. And it, it was really an opportunity for us to uh, help identify potential victims within our community. If we, the next slide brings us back to the biblical text. And if we kind of think, actually, how does this all relate with Jesus's Nazareth manifesto, which is what this is called. It's almost like his mission statement. He's announcing to those within the synagogue at Nazareth that his mission statement is to bring good news to the poor. He's, sent, he's been sent to proclaim release to the captives. He's been sent to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So just as for the Babylonian during 700 years previously for the Israelites under captivity for the, of the Babylonians, I wonder how that message and that passage and that prophecy of this coming Messiah bringing freedom would have sounded. It would have sounded a message of hope and freedom. And perhaps having heard this morning some of the hard statistics and, and some of these stories are quite difficult to hear, actually for us as we read this passage, Perhaps we hear it in a slightly different way, that God's freedom is, yes, it's spiritual freedom. It's about being welcomed into life in abundance, but it's also about liberation, which is in our entirety. It's the sense of God creating us as complete people. And yes, you know, our physical freedom matters. Our mental freedom matters. Our spiritual freedom, of course, matters to God as well. And as Christians, we're invited to join in God's mission of bringing good news to the poor, of bringing freedom to the captives, and to let the oppressed go free. One of the things that we've developed here in South End is an anti-slavery partnership. And uh, we have quarterly meetings where different partners, including different representatives from faith groups, uh, join together 
and uh, we partner with the police, with different charities, and also with the council. And it's really a way for us to think through, okay, let's partner towards a slavery-free community. And if we think about the, the big narrative within scripture of God's kingdom and God's reign coming, and we're invited to join with God in establishing God's reign on earth, then there's this opportunity also to work towards a slavery-free community. And uh, some of the work we do now is also with survivors of modern slavery. Uh, and so we connect the survivors with uh, the volunteers who are befrienders and mentors. And it's really trying to explore how can we bring fullness of life and freedom to people who have experienced captivity in a very physical sense. And so Jesus, at the end of this reading, uh, he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And this is quite a shocking statement because Jesus is really saying to his synagogue in Nazareth, who know him as Mary and Joseph's son, that actually I am the one who Isaiah was prophesying about 700 years previously. And so this is quite an outrageous statement. And if you continue reading the passage beyond that, it creates such chaos and anger from the participants within the synagogue that they're on the verge of throwing Jesus off a cliff. And this is right at the start of Jesus's ministry. And yet Jesus was determined and he knew exactly what he was called to do to bring freedom to the captives and good news to the poor. And in the same way, as followers, as disciples of Jesus, we're also called into following Jesus in that mission, whatever that looks like. I'm going to end today with a prayer. And this is a, a Franciscan prayer. And it's one which was prayed over me a number of years ago. And it had quite a profound impact on me. And I want to pray it over you as well. And then we'll continue with a, a worship song. But let's pray. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers and half-truths and superficial relationships so that you may seek truth boldly and love deeply within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work tirelessly for justice for freedom and peace among all people. May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can really make a difference in this world so that you are able with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. Amen.